Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, July 30th, the storyline of the day, Novak Djokovic's quest to join Steffi Graf as the only players in tennis history to capture the Golden Slam, all four Grand Slam singles title, plus an Olympic gold medal in singles in the same calendar year, thwarted by Alex Zverev. Zverev, a 1-6-6-3-6-1 victory over the number one seed. Of course, listeners to this podcast will likely have seen in their mini-break podcast feed an emergency show. We came back, talked about that match specifically. I'll talk about it a little bit more on this show, just in case you missed that earlier episode. But if you want to hear a deep dive on that match again, just scroll down in your podcast feed to hear all things Djokovic Zverev. But of course, don't worry. There's still history to be made this weekend across the professional tennis world. We look at the run of Kasper Ruud. He won the title in Bastad. He won the title in Gestad. He's now got a chance to be the first player since Andy Murray in 2016 to win three ATP titles consecutively on the ATP calendar. Of course, for Murray in 2016, he had a week of break between his Paris Masters title, his run to the ATP World Tour Finals Championship as well. Kasparud has not had that. And if you want to go back to the last time it happened in three consecutive weeks, again, it's Andy Murray. You go back to that 2011 season. I mentioned this on yesterday's Great Shot podcast. In 2011, Andy Murray won three weeks in a row. Roger Federer won three weeks in a row. And Novak Djokovic won three weeks in a row twice. Now, there's no denying Kasparud's run to these three potential ATP titles will have been significantly easier than the run those three gentlemen made earlier this decade, but still, to show this degree of excellence, even if it's against competition outside the top 50, to show this degree of excellence for Casper Ruud, it means something. And so, of course, that is a chase for all of us to monitor throughout the weekend. What I want to do on today's show, of course, set the scene for all of that action happening across the tennis world. I want to talk our non-Djokovic Zverev result, Karen Hatchinov, perhaps the biggest stage of his career now is he's going to have the opportunity to compete for a gold medal in singles after his victory over Pablo Carreno Busta in Atlanta. It's been very American-centric, and while Americans did not find much success at the Olympics in tennis, they are certainly finding success in Atlanta. Should be at least two of the semifinalists guaranteed one finalist, uh, or I should say, I suppose not guaranteed one finalist, but at least two of the semifinalists, potentially three with Isner playing tonight in Atlanta. Uh, 
Uh, it's guys like Nakashima, Taylor Fritz. Of course, you throw in Emil Rusevori, who did an ATP, a uh, next-gen ATP 2.0 podcast on earlier last offseason. Uh, it's a really fun mix of players. And then you've got the WTA action. Four ATP challengers, Lori Lehechka, the talented young Czech player, continuing his ascent. He gets a big win over Botik Vendison Sculp. Want to talk about all of those things on today's podcast. Of course, before I do, I have to remind all of you listeners that the reason we're able to do this day in, day out on this show is because of the support we get from all of you, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family. And sincerely, I know I say it on every podcast, so perhaps you think I don't mean it. I do. I know I wouldn't have the luxury, the joy of being able to watch tennis all day, cover the sport as closely as I do, try and provide you fans with the sort of coverage you all deserve without your continued support. So whether it's a tweet at us at Crack Rackets, at Great Shot Pod, whether it's leaving a review on our iTunes charts or Spotify, and to the person who said my voice is sexy, thank you, I think, like... I guess. I, I don't know. I wish it was an octave lower. I wish I could do the Michael Gruskin. My father did the News Radio 950 WWJ. Unfortunately, I don't quite have that voice. I've been told it's distinct. I'll take it. Probably in the alto range. Nevertheless, sexy is not a word I had used to describe my voice <clears throat> Excuse me, in the past. So, two, I think it's Roger Mania, like 23 on, on uh, the iTunes uh, messages. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, of course, it always helps us with the metrics when you leave a five star review leave a comment like that so appreciate them doing so but sincerely again to all of you listeners thank you for listening day in day out week in week out of course thank you to our friends at tennis point as well who not only help us pay the bills but help make all of these podcasts possible and of course they bring joy to so many tennis players across the country by offering the best equipment at the best prices you can find anything you need on their website tennis-point.com you use our promo code cr15 you'll get 15 percent off your order free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Again, it's tennis-point, the symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's start with the Olympics. And again, I did the full breakdown on an individual emergency reaction podcast, but it's worth, and by the way, you can see my face on that podcast, my smiling face, my shiny teeth, and me on our YouTube channel by, you know, again, super producer Danny Westoff, of course, throwing in some fun edits as well if you want to see my reaction as well as hear it. But of course, you look for Zverev, again, the 166361 victory over Djokovic. I mentioned this stat there. I want to mention it again now. Why? And again, this is not endorsing Alex Zverev the human. And it's worth any time you bring up Alex Zverev, you should bring up the piece Ben Rothenberg, friend of the show here, wrote. Of course, if you have not already read it, Ben's piece lays out accusations from Alia Sharipova of physical abuse committed by Zverev. And if you read the accounts, they're so powerful. The candidness from Sharipova, because she's reliving her pain. There is no denying that in her sharing these stories and just the courage it takes to do that. And you have to give credit to Ben, who as thorough of a reporting job as you can ever expect when covering something like this, where so frequently, unfortunately, it ends up being he said, she said, but Ben, multiple testimonials, multiple accounts, multiple perspectives, every perspective, but of course, Alex Virev, who declined to participate. You have to bring up that story whenever we're talking about Zverev. Of course, 
you also have to say objectively he's been one of the five best tennis players in the world in 2021 and there are multiple metrics you can point to to prove that fact you want to look at again his results it's him Medvedev, Djokovic, and Berrettini, only four players to make the round of 16 or further at each of the three Grand Slams this season. You look for Zverev, of course, he is a top 15 club guy, one of the five players, Djokovic, Nadal, Rublev, Medvedev, Zverev, to be top 15 in both hold percentage and break percentage. He's, I believe, 27-11 and 11 here in this 2021 season, has already won himself a major title during the clay court stretch, and I mean, look, it we say it all. I, I've said it enough on this podcast. You all know my thoughts on him as a tennis player. There are five to ten minutes in every match he plays where you just think, or at least I just think I won't impose my thoughts upon any of you all. I suppose I'll impose them in that you're going to hear them, but I won't suggest you share my thoughts. But there are five to ten minutes in every match where I watch uh, Alex Virov and I just think that's the best tennis player I have ever seen hold a racket in the men's tennis game. And just, you know, again, his combination of size, fluidity, his ability to hit that backhand down the line with such power. There were moments when Zverev made his run in the second and third sets. And, of course, again, full breakdown earlier. You can go check that out. But he was down a break, 6-1-3-2 in that second set. And, you know, rip, rips off nine consecutive points to break Novak at love for three on uh, uh, in that love, love, you know, first service point of Djokovic's service game. He unleashes a backhand cross court where he fully turns into it, fully rips into it. And I swear to God, I have never seen someone hit a backhand that well. Like, I have seen Djokovic connect with backhands beautifully. Djokovic connects with a backhand perfectly. Zverev connects with a backhand perfectly. I'm sorry, Alex Zverev's is better. Now, I'm not saying, I am not saying, nor suggesting that on a point-by-point, shot-by-shot consistency basis, Zverev's backhand is as good as Djokovic's. Not even close. Uh, Well, not not even close. But, you know, Djokovic's on another level. Djokovic has the best backhand in history. And, you know, Prime Murray would like a cup of coffee in that conversation. But, again, his ability to move that ball around the court, his ability to move that ball when he's on the run. Although you watch Zverev hit some on-the-run backhand down the line passing shots, and you're like, yeah, it's him and Djokovic who can hit that shot. And that's the, the plane when Zverev plays his best tennis he hangs out with. And he played his best tennis down a break in this match and just able to flip the script. And as I mentioned... Breaks that love for three all. Holds that love for 4-3. Wins the first point for love 15. Djokovic then hits an incredible drop shot. Zero of the breaks, I believe, at 15-40. 4-5-3. He then ends up, again, some some turbulence in his closeout service game. Fights off uh, that turbulence. Big serves. Gets him through. And again, 6-6. Can crank 130 to 140. Win, you know, sometimes that. But when he's serving his best, though, he has that weapon in him. Uh, obviously, the serving troubles go without saying. Although, this was a good serving day for Zero. And, you know, again, he was able to play on his front foot. It felt like he kept coming forward to the net, kept putting pressure on Djokovic. And look, through the first set and a half, Djokovic responded every time Zverev put pressure on him, dipped a passing shot at his feet, or just put Zverev in a really difficult position to put away a volley. And if you give Djokovic a second look at a pass, you lose. And in that first set, Zverev lost. But Zverev kept attacking, kept moving forward, kept being the aggressor. And then, you know, again, could withstand the physicality of Novak Djokovic. And that's a testament to Jazz Green. I've talked about this before. They have him clicking. They would, the physical, uh, it's tough to, you know, the plan they had him on for his physicality, for his movement, for his endurance since he was 18 years old, it worked. Like, this is 
what he should look like in terms of his physical prime. This is the peak of Alex Virov's athleticism manifesting itself. And 24 years old, it makes sense that this is where he starts to play his best result. And I got some flack on Twitter comparing his game to Andy Murray. I'll do that quickly here now, why I believe in the comparison. A, the results speak for themselves. You know, for the first, till he's 25 years old, for Andy Murray, it was always the bridesmaid, never the bride. You know, wins Masters titles, makes finals of majors, but can never get over that hump. And was, what, 0-4 in his first four majors, 0-5 major finals, whatever it was. And you look for Zverev, very similar stories. You know, again, his best tennis, and much like Murray's tennis, uh, best tennis is as good as anyone on tour right now, and we've seen him compete and beat the very best, much like Murray did, but when it comes to the slam semifinals and finals and the biggest stages of those events, you know, at 24 years old, he's yet to get over the hump. Of course, he made his first slam final, 2020 U.S. Open, now makes the gold medal match here. Should he win this match, can he do exactly what Andy Murray did, which is lose the Wimbledon final, then go win the gold medal at the Olympics, take that confidence, bottle it up, beat Djokovic, five sets, U.S. Open final. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Djokovic gets the golden, uh, the calendar slam. But I do think Zverev comes close. And again, it wasn't a three out of five set match. But I can see this confidence translating for Alex Zverev. Not that he's ever lacked confidence, but to beat Djokovic on this stage and you know, again, he's now beaten Djokovic indoor and outdoors on hard courts. He's beaten Nadal on clay. He's beaten Federer on grass. This is why he was always the heir apparent. This is why he was at the top of every projected next-gen talent list. You know, the commentator said it on the broadcast last night. The next-gen campaign was essentially a campaign to start saying, hey, you know Alex Virov's the next star in tennis, right? Let's all start paying attention. And he hasn't had that big result yet. People can say what you want about the Olympics. This was a big result for him to beat Djokovic, of course, again, from a tennis perspective. It's the fact that both Murray and Zverev can do a little bit of everything. Murray 6'4", Zverev 6'6", but they could both hit 125 on their serve with ease, and yet you see a tentativeness in their primes for both of their second serves, and that tentativeness also manifests itself where they, as physically talented as they are, they end up four, five, six feet behind the baseline, just, you know, riding their physical skills and saying, I bet I can outwork you. I bet I can outgrind you. Three out of five sets, I am a better physical talent than you are. I am fitter than you are. And, you know, again, I have enough skills on the court where I will hit enough big serves to earn some free points. And then I will outgrind you that I can beat every player that doesn't have top 20 weapons. And just like, I don't know how you don't see both of those guys having that trait. I don't know how you don't, you know, the backhand, so obvious. The tentativeness when the forehands, when things go awry, so obvious in my opinion uh, for both of them. I think the comparison is clear. And look, of course, what they are off the court, vastly, vastly different people. And, you know, again, I, I think to disassociate what Andy Murray has meant to the sport versus Andy Murray, the tennis player, it's really tough to do, especially for those who have followed the game as closely. But I'm a student of the Andy Murray school. I like to think I know as much about Andy Murray as anyone out there, except for maybe the Murray family, except for Judy. Um, I, I, I'm also, I've watched a lot of Alex Zirov over the years. I, you see it. Like what I challenge you, challenge you, what I ask you to do if you disagree with my take Go watch 
I mean, Murray Djokovic 2012 Australian Open semifinal just because. But then go watch some 2000, you know, go watch Andy Murray in one of his early slam finals against Federer where, you know, he's on his back foot and Federer's just able to hit through him. And tell me you don't think, oh, yeah, that, that looks a lot like the Zverev we see early in his career as well. I think there's another gear for Zverev like there is for Murray. Again, reprehensible off the court. The talent is abundantly clear on the court he advances over and I, I said I wasn't going to do another full thing on Zverev I end up doing another full thing on Zverev I apologize I do just think that's the sort of talent he is but you know again the other big singles result at the Olympics yesterday Karen Hachanov biggest result of his career I know he's a Paris Masters champion but to be the number 12 seed knock off Pablo Crane boost to three and three and you know for him who it was an up and down. Let's be clear. For Karen Hatchinov here in 2021, you look at his numbers overall. He's 31 and 24 over his last 52 weeks, but 20 and 15 overall here in 2021 was 16 and 14 heading into Wimbledon before he makes that big quarterfinal run. And as we all have learned, confidence is everything in tennis. Karen Hachanov has it now, and, you know, I talk about the modern profile of a tennis player here in the 2020s. It's Karen Hachanov, 6'6", fluid, easy power on the serve, big weapon of a forehand, but can play grinding baseline tennis. I mentioned these numbers earlier. There's a reason in the last 17 Grand Slams he's made the third rounder later, so final 32 in 14 of the 17. He's, you know, again, made now multiple quarterfinals, and, you know, uh, of his losses, I believe, all but one of the, all but two of them at the slam. So in that 17 time span, I believe he's 15 of his 17 losses have come to seeded players. You got to be really good to beat Karen Hatchinov. And when he's playing confident like he was today, it's just tough to beat him, especially slow court, you know, brutal heat. That's where he wants to be. And you look for him in this match, just again, what he was able to do, make 61% of his first serves, 26 of 28 on first serve points. You remember he is 6'6", and he does have that weapon of a first serve, and he does have that weapon of a first forehand. And while over his last 52 weeks, he's holding serve 81.8% of the time, and you look at the Tennis Abstract Stats leaderboard, that's a number that's outside the top 15. Karen Hachanov right now 21st in hold percentage. It's lower than it should be. He, the best version of Karen Hachanov is a top 15 server, and he's a guy who, with his length, can put a ton of returns in the court and just give himself a chance to compete. And I think that's why people get so frustrated with him, because you see the physical profile, you see what it looks like at his best, and you just feel like his best is a level he should be able to obtain and, and you know, capture on court more frequently than he does, but he did in this match, 6-3, 6-3, and, you know, again, he's attacking the Carino Busta second serve. You look for Carino Busta, 11 of 24 on second serve points, and, you know, it's not horrible, but considering he only made 58% of his first serves, that's just not good enough, and you look for Hatchinov, not broken on the day, and when you're only dropping two serves, uh, two points on your first serve and nine points on serve overall in two sets, you're probably having success. So, again, a credit to... Karen Hachanov, who did such a good job with his first strike changing locations, not just going big to the Crano Busta backhand and forcing him to hit a pass off of that wing, but, but keeping him honest with the forehand, jamming that forehand with pace. It was a really, really impressive performance. And Hachanov versus Zverev is a very fun gold medal match. Those are two guys who, again, kind of epitomize what the modern tennis player looks like. And you look for the two of them in their career, two and two overall. 
hatching off two and one when they've played on hard courts uh they beat him last at the canada at rogers cup 2019 uh you look for them overall both all the matches they've played in straight sets uh in two out of three sets excuse me went in straights the one time they played at a major zero beat hatching off in five it will be three out of five in the final on sunday morning or late saturday night so again that should be a super super fun match of course you look at the action that happened on the double side men's doubles officially in the books Croatia capturing both the gold and silver it was Metkic and Pavic your number one seeded team capturing that gold medal 6-4-3-6-10-6 in the breaker over their fellow countrymen Chilich and Dodig and I mean look it makes sense Pavic and Metkic and Metkic are a real double, I don't want to say a real doubles team, but they play together, you know, week in, week out, and they've played together frequently. You look for Pavic now, the run he has made here over these past few months, I mean, you you look for him overall, he ends up, again, winning Wimbledon with Metkic week before these Olympics begin. You look for him, 2020, he made two slam finals at the end of the year with Bruno Suarez, French Open, U.S. Open, he ends up winning, uh, you know, multiple finals in 2018 as well. This guy who's playing the best doubles of his career at age 20, and of course you look for Pavic. He's a guy who's been the number one doubles player in the world and currently is the number one doubles player in the world. Of course, he was a top junior in the world as well. And look, he has found his path. It's through doubles. He earns the gold medal. What an achievement. Impossible to feel anything but proud for him. And look, for Chilich and Dodig, I mean... Dodic's been so good for so long. An interesting Hall of Fame case. I, it will be, we'll get there when we get there. But, uh, you know, I don't want to open that can of worms again. But, you know, for Chilich, Grand Slam in singles, Olympic medal, Masters title. It's kind of checked off pretty much all of the boxes you're looking to check off in a Hall of Fame career. I mean, again, it's clearly the back half for him, but this is an incredible result. Got to feel good for them. And then, you know, again, America going medalist, I believe, for the first time since Olympic tennis returned in 1988 uh, as Sandgren and Krejcik knocked off in the bronze medal match uh, by the team of Venus and uh, Daniel. Of course, shout out to LSU's Michael Venus for earning a medal. Shout out college tennis. You look in the women's double semi, uh, excuse me, the mixed double semifinal. It is going to be an all-Russian affair. Karatsev and Vesnina taking on Rublev and Pavlichenkova. You look uh, for Karatsev and Vesnina. Six and five win over Djokovic and Stojanovic. Salt in the wound for Novak. You look for Rublev and Pavlichenkova. They fought off a match point. They beat Team Beers. Marty and Piers, 5-7-6-4-13-11. By the way, 52-48%. Over 1,000 people voted. We said Team Beers over Team Party. Shout out to the over 1,000 of you that did vote. Uh, I hope we get to see Team Beers again because they're a super fun one. I thought they were going to win that match, but... You know, again, Rublev, Pavlichenkova, they advance all Russian affair. That should be super, uh, super fun. That's where we're at in the Olympics. You want to know the schedule over the next couple of days because it is a little bit funky tonight here on Friday night. So early Saturday morning, you've got Djokovic taking on Karina Busta, Rybakina taking on Svitolina, our two bronze medal matches in singles. You've also got the women's singles final, Bencic taking on Vandrusova. That's 4.35 a.m. on the East Coast. Uh, so, you know, set your alarms, folks. Of course, you've also got the doubles as well. Kudermatova, Vesnina taking on Pagossi and Stefani. Djokovic, Stojanovic taking on Team Beers. Uh, so that's your Olympic action here Friday night. Of course, then all of your other matches, Jira versus Hachinov, Krachikova, Sinyakova. 
and Bencic Golubic, that gold medal match in doubles uh, for the women, and then the mixed doubles gold medal match as well, all late Saturday, early Sunday morning. That's where we're at in the Olympics. Of course, we do have other action happening across the globe here this week, but before I can get to that other action, speaking of getting action, you know what's embarrassing? When you don't have everything taken care of, when the moment comes correct, of course, it's not something you want to talk about publicly. We're not all saying to that random guy at the bar, hey, what's your manscaping situation? What are you doing down there? What what works? What doesn't work? What sort of equipment can I have? Well, don't worry. We're destigmatizing that conversation. It's your body. It's totally cool to talk about what you got to talk about. And look, if you're talking manscaping, you're talking below the belt grooming, there's only one company to turn to. And they're aptly named Manscaped, our friends offering the best equipment in the business for your below the waist grooming needs. Of course, they offer precision engineered tools for your family jewels and you know it. Not the 1.0, not the 2.0. We've even moved on to the 3.0, to the Lawnmower 4.0. You can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their below-the-waist grooming needs. Of course, if you use our promo code NEWBALLS, please, at manscaped.com, you'll get 20% off plus free worldwide shipping. Again, that's NEWBALLS, please, at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. And look, as I'm recording this podcast, I'm getting ready I don't want to say to go out on the town here in Indy, but I'm going to go see some friends. I'm going to go socialize. It is something I trust myself to go do. I'm double-vaxxed. I'm going to be safe. But, of course, it is nice to socialize once again. And guess what? Just in case that moment arrives. I'm, I'm saving myself out for you know a Grand Slam champion. But just in case some... Anyways, I'm not even going to elaborate on that. The point being, I have trusted everything I got to do to Manscaped. You should as well. Manscaped.com. The promo code is NEWBALLSPLEASE. With that in mind, let's talk about the other action happening across the professional tennis world. We'll start on the ATP Tour. And again, I'm going to sort of rapid fire through these takes today because uh, I know some of you are following along and we've hit a lot of these similar topics already earlier in the week. But credit to Brandon Nakashima. Rocking and rolling, six and five win over Jordan Thompson. That's back to back wins for Nakashima over the veteran Australian. And just look to play now nine matches in what twelve days. It's hell of an accomplishment for a guy who's yet to turn twenty years old and to do it at the ATP level and to have this degree of success. You look for Brandon Nakashima now with this result. He's into another ATP semifinal. I believe it's the second of his career. Guess what else he's into? The top one hundred for the first time. Shout out to you, Brandon Nakashima. I don't know why I haven't sent out a tweet yet. Get ready for that tweet to come to your screen soon. But uh, Brandon Nakashima into the top one hundred of the live rankings for the first time in his career. I don't know if he drops out of it before 2030 at the earliest, barring any injuries. Of course, you know, given he's at 98, he may drop to like 102, 103. But once he's eclipsed that 90 mark, I don't see him dropping past that anytime soon. And to be top 100 heading into the summer hardcourt stretch, exactly where Brandon Nakashima wants to be. Another step forward for the 19-year-old young American Big win for him over Jordan Thompson. He is now joined in the semifinals by a fellow American, Taylor Fritz. Who beats his groom's uh, his best man seven six six seven seven six over Riley Opelka? The match looked exactly like it sounded. It wasn't the most pleasant tennis. Ten rallies over five shots, maybe. But hey, credit to Fritz. It was fun. I would watch 
the tiebreakers, that's it if you're going back to watch the replay. But again, Fritz gets the job done, 7-6-7-4 in that third set breaker. Our guy, Emil Rusevori, who struggled of late. We did a full next-gen ATP 2.0 podcast and article on him. You can find all of that content on our website, crackrackets.com. You look for Rusevori. Gets a big win uh, as he advances to an ATP semifinal now. He gets the victory, uh, I believe, over uh, Cam Nori, 6-3. and three. You could see Nori, who's played a ton of tennis. Just, again, the power sort of wore, uh, uh, of wore Nori down. And you look now for Emil Rusevori, who's into the top 70 for the first time in his career now, up to a new career high of number 69. He's been, you know, up, I don't want to say up and down, but it, it's definitely been a trickier year for him. He went and played ATP events on the clay, on the grass courts, and he struggled a bit. You know, first round loss in Munich, first round loss in Parma, first round loss of Roland Garros, first round loss in qualifying of the Madrid Masters, 31-23 and 23 in his last 52. And now, though, the key is he maintained his top 100 ranking and he is now into his favorite portion of the year, the summer hard court stretch that we see him make in ATP semifinal on hard courts. I don't think it should surprise anyone because his weapons are that big, and you look for him now uh, with this semifinal. Again, it's his first for him since the end of the 2020 season in Nur Sultan. It's only his second at the ATP level as well, that Nur Sultan one at the end of last year being his first, but you know, it's definitely a winnable match. He's got the biggest weapons on the court against Nakashima, and does Nakashima hit the ball big enough to expose the lack of elite quickness, elite first step for Rusevori? That'll be the question, but that's a sneaky fun match. Fritz versus potentially Isner or uh, Chris O'Connell. I mean, I honestly think O'Connell would be the more fun match if we just watch Fritz play oh, Isner. So I think we got a sneak peek of what that match might look like, but that's where we're at in Atlanta in terms of Kitz Buell. As I mentioned at the top, Casper Ruud continuing to rock and roll. 6-3-7-6 win for him over Arthur Rindernesh. A really fun second set breaker uh, that saw them both fight off multiple set points back and forth. A little yo-yo mying in that tiebreaker in terms of the momentum. Um, yeah, it was, it, again, if you haven't watched Kasparud on a clay court, what am I going to say at this point that you haven't heard? He moves the ball so well. It's the mortal version of Nadal. That forehand is just so explosive. Good volleyer too. Like sneaky good volleyer. We don't, you know... We don't talk enough. Not enough people are talking about how good Casper Root is as a volleyer, but um, no, he is a good volleyer. Seriously, six three seven six. He advances, stops the run of Arthur Rindernesh. But again, you look for Rindernesh now. New career high for him, number seventy nine in the live rankings. He's a top eighty player, and talk about again foothold in the top one hundred. He's got it heading into the summer hard court stretch. Should be some really fun results, some potential here now for Arthur Rindernesh. But you look on the other side of the draw, our guy, Pedro Martinez Portero, who I'm sad to say, and I know, not to typecast, um, but a very similar game to Pablo Carreno Busta, just the way they both hit that forehand explosively, the way bigger backswing, but the way they're able to find forehands, the way that backhand just kind of, they keep it out in front, they keep it on their side, attached to that hip, and just move that ball around well, and get good depth on that shot, like, fine on the backhand side. Um, That's Pedro Martinez Portero who's into his first career ATP final. And again, we keep keep talking career highs. When you make your first career final, you're likely going to hit a new career high. And for Pedro Martinez-Portero, the 24-year-old Spaniard, at number 76 in the rankings, that is indeed a new career high. He's up 21 spots on the week. 
I mean, he was he was excellent today against Daniel Altmaier, who's an incredible shot maker and just, again, beautiful one-handed backhand. But look, Martinez made that match physical, kept attacking the backhand, didn't get worn down when Altmaier would come up with some ridiculous down the lines, and ultimately Martinez able to advance 4-6-6-3-6-3 to the final. Now, he'll be a prohibitive underdog against Casper Ruud, but week three, match number 15, or... 12. Is he playing four? He's the number one seed, so he got buys. Yeah, match number 12 in 21 days. You know who I don't want to play is Pedro freaking Martinez Portero, who's just going to make ball after ball after ball and make the match super physical. Uh, so that could be a fun one. I'm expecting three sets in that one. I'll go out on a limb and say it, but again, shout out to PMP. You know me. He advances to his first ATP final. Of course, those are your ATP results. We switch gears now on the WTA side. Shout out to friend of the program, Jamie Loeb, into, I believe, her first 125 WTA level semifinal. She does it in Charleston with a three and three win over Inshua Liang. She's now got a matchup with unseeded Katarina Bondarenko. It's funny. Unseeded players on the top half, top four seeds on the bottom. Vervara Lepchenko yet to drop a set as she advances one and one over Hannah Chang to the semifinal. She's going to face another player who is also yet to drop a set. Your only top 100 player left in the draw here, Lauren Davis, who got a three and five win over talented former young Duke standout Maria Mateus in the quarterfinal round as well. You look at the action happening in Belgrade. Uh, I believe the draw is a little bit behind, so I got to go look up these results. We'll stay live here, but you continue to look at the results. Here we go. In Belgrade, I've got them now. Aronxo Rus into the finals of the event as she knocks off Andrea Petkovic, 7-5-6-2. You look uh, on the other semifinal, Anna Karolina Shnadova, big run for her, 6-1. and one. She wins over Srimkova. I'm not trying to say plug myself, go back, listen to the Monday Mini Break podcast, or Tuesday, whenever it was. Did I make the Rooks prediction? I did, indeed. Come on, Aronxa, one more victory. I should have bet on it. That was foolish of me, but I don't actually do that many. I mean, but anyways, let's save that topic for another time as well. Those are your two uh, WTA tournaments. Again, Charleston, Belgrade, coming down the home stretch. Of course, we've got ATP Challenger action as well. The big result playing as I'm speaking. Jensen Brooksby taking on Tenassi Kokonakis in Lexington. That is a fascinating match, but shout out to our guy Ernesto Escobedo. Big hitting 25-year-old American now into his first semifinal since 2020. He's got the opportunity to make, March of 2020, by the way, he's got his opportunity to make his first final since 2019 as he knocked off Darian King 5-0 and today. He's got Jason Kubler next, and I will say just for Escobedo, whose firepower, you listen to the ball come off of his racket. He was probably the one of the earliest Sonic Boom Club members where him, Rublev, you're just F.A., you're like, what is that? I'm sorry, what was that sound when you hit the ball and just absolutely explodes off of his strings? But he's reined that in, in a good way. He's just more controlled in the rally, setting up the shot, hitting the three-quarter pace ball, which for him, still massive, to open up the down the line, and then all he needs to hit is the 75 pace ball to percent baseball, excuse me, to the open court to get the job done. He should win that match against Kubler tomorrow and give himself a chance to make the final. And of course, if he does, he'd face the winner potentially of that Brooksby, Kokonakis, Ramanathan, Tabilo 
top half of the draw. That's where we're at in Lexington. We look again in uh, Poland, as mentioned, Yuri Lechechka, perhaps the win of the day, 5-3 and three over big hitting Botik Mendesen. Skop Lechechka won his first challenger last week, so now that's what one two, three, I want to say eight consecutive wins for him on the challenger level. Certainly really, really exciting level for the 19-year-old Czech who now is going to take on uh, qualifier Alexander uh, Shevchenko. Excuse me, that's a very winnable match. And then, you know, would potentially face the winner of Bernabe Zapata Morales and Dimitri Popko in the final. That's where we are at in Poland in terms of in Spain. It's Grinier versus Van Richeven. Shout out to uh, Tim Van Richeven, the big serving Dutchman, uh, who just is starting to play again. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer when you've got that bigger body. He's starting to click play some really good ball here in 2021. And then Nicolas Moreno de Elberon, second challenger of his career. He beats Chelik Bilic to advance to his first semifinal. He's got second seeded Benjamin Bond your last challenger semifinal is Zoomher going to take on Tarante Echeverry going to take on Skatov over in Italy. So, you know, again, fun weekend of tennis. Olympics coming to the close. ATP WTA challenger action from start to finish. We've got what we love here at Crack Rackets. And as such, we're probably, I mean, I can say for sure there will be a podcast on Saturday. We'll see about the scheduling on Sunday. But expect the pod tomorrow. Expect some preview content for that Olympic men's singles final as well. And just again, if you've missed any of our conversations of late, I know there's a lot happening in the tennis world. We're trying our best here at CR to keep you all in the loop on everything. If you've missed any of the content, you can find it on the great uh, on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, The Great Shot Podcast, and Cracked Interviews Podcast, where we've had guests such as NCAA champions Sam Riffis, Adam Walton, Pat Harper. We've had Ben Rothenberg, David Kane, Jeff Sackman, Gary Nathan, so many more, uh, so many fantastic shows. So again, you can find all that content on the website, crackrackets.com. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Leader and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all that said, for our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. 